Hi, I'm John. And I'm Colin. And I'm Melanie's dumbass. This is Hold Up. This is the show where we talk about movies from long ago and not so long ago and see if they hold up. You can't trust Melanie, but you can trust Melanie to be Melanie. Look, I hate to be the kind of fella does a fella a favor, then bam, hits a fella up for a favor in return. But I'm afraid I gots to be that kind of fella. What you mean? I need a favor, fella. Here we go. AK-47. The very best there is. When you absolutely, positively gotta kill every motherfucker in the room, except no substitutes. Cue that motherfucking theme song. Is that what I think it is? What do you think it is? I think it's a gun pressed up against my dick. Oh, you thought right. Now take your hands from around my throat. Jesus. But if you two aren't the biggest pair of fuck-ups I've ever met in my entire life, how did you ever rob a bank? Hey, when you robbed banks, did you have to look for your car then, too? No wonder you went to jail. Don't say anything else, okay? Keep your mouth shut. Well... I mean, don't say one fucking word, okay? Lewis. Is it this aisle, Lewis? Is it that aisle, Lewis? It's totally fucking with my nerves, man. So what? You left it in? I shot him. I put a cherry on top. Booyah. All right. Ooh, that was a bit of a long one today. How are you doing? 1997. Do you like crime films? Paying homage to black exploitation films? Written by Elmore Leonard, originally a a book. Elmore Leonard, who had uh, something like 20-something movies made out of things that he wrote. So pay attention, folks. We have Jack Brown. Jackie Brown, uh, the second, or sorry, I guess third film directed by Quentin Tarantino. Because he would have had Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction before this. Uh, And maybe... I'll just throw this out there for now and you can think about it until the discussion rolls around. Probably the least Tarantino movie of all Tarantino movies. I don't know. Something about this just felt a little bit different. And maybe we'll get into a bit of that and why we why I felt that way anyway. Uh who do we got? Oh my god, this cast. Pam Greer, Samuel L. Jackson, Robert Forster, Bridget Fonda, Michael Keaton, Bobby Bob De Niro, Michael Bowen, Chris Tucker. Lisa Gay Hamilton, Tommy Lister, this little Zeus action up in this shit, Sid Haig, Denise Crosby, Quentin Tarantino's voice on an answering machine. Uh, yeah, Jackie Brown, everybody. Made for 12, made about 75 in the box office. Um, and I think generally is um, one of the better regarded Tarantino films uh, among people who kind of watch a lot of movies. But um, every once in a while, I'll run into people who have heard of uh, Pulp Fiction for sure and maybe some of his more recent stuff but not really remember this one um, this so one was is. lost this one was lost in the uh, in that year a lot of people didn't like it because uh, it came right after Pulp Fiction was which was such a different movie and uh, people had a real expectation including myself when I first saw this I was very disappointed with it I remember seeing it in the theater and not liking it and then watching it years later and saying, oh, man, I, I think I missed the boat because it was really good. Well, it wasn't as like flashy and over the top. No. Uh, even though even though Ordell could have been a really over the top character, uh, Samuel does a pretty good job in this movie to keep him believable. Uh, as crazy as he can get in the movie, but not like other um, more, uh, I don't know, I would just call them t- Tarantinoists. Like this movie has lots of dialogue that Tarantino is famous for and the dialogue in this like flows really well and it's snappy and back and forth, but it just doesn't have the some of the pizzazz of the of the directing and I don't know, it's like silliness, co- comiciness. It's just like Kill Bill's violence is a little over the top and cartoony almost like... Um, uh, like anime movie type style yeah. even and there was even some anime stuff in that and uh like hateful eight has a lot of like over the top gore and and even pulp fiction went that way with with some of it um like uh, let's the scene where um uh, jules and um what's his name uh shoot the shoot the guys come out of the bathroom and the camera's like flashing back and forth and editing very stylish stuff like when uh 
uh, he's high in the car driving in Pulp Fiction. So this movie doesn't have any of that. This is like pretty much a straight crime heist thriller kind of action movie drama. <laughs> I think Tarantino talked about wanting to respect uh, someone else's material and, and try and direct something while respecting a material. So I think that's kind of why he decided to be a little bit more uh, uh, subdued with his directing and straightforward with the directing. Because hmm. he, he loved Elon. Uh, what's his last name again? What's the, that? Who? The author. Oh, Elmore Leonard. Elmore Leonard. He loved his material and he, he, he was a huge fan of his. So I think he was trying to do justice to the story without like stomping all over it with his own Tarantino-ness. Yeah. <clears throat> and you like can I, really see that. I mean, it's still well, very well directed. It's just not... Uh, Tarantino-y. Yeah, he just holds... <laughs> he. You know, it's just like when a when a good act when a good comedic actor like uh, Will Ferrell or something uh, does uh, does a movie where he, <clears throat> uh, you know, he doesn't do his normal shtick. He tries to play the character and play it straight and and wane himself in a bit. That's kind of what the directing feels like to me. Hmm. It does always feel hmm. like a lot of the a lot of the more sophisticated moments by artists is when they're put in these constraints outside of their comfort zone seems to be where I mean good ones anyways it seems to be where they flourish with finding kind of um, you know how to how to challenge themselves to do things a bit differently because maybe they can get lazy and rely on a lot of those tricks I know comedians can like Will Will Ferrell and those guys right so with directing it must be the same so to do something like Pulp Fiction and have already you know an established reputation for being a little bit different to do something that is I mean it has that feel it still feels like Quentin but it isn't typical Quentin so I think he uh, no yeah. I think he did yeah, a good job here yeah like actors like spring to mind like Adam Sandler and Punch Drunk Glove or, or Will Ferrell in in that movie about writing uh, uh, I can never remember the name Jim of it. Carrey and uh, Eternal Sunshine Eternal Sunshine yeah mm. uh, you're totally right I think Good directors can do that as well. I mean, it's it's good it's, to pen it, in your ego a bit and uh, try and just try I and guess, direct a good direct direct well. I guess if you learn a style, like learning about it, how to do it well, and and you practice around, and then you figure out that you can do your own little twist on that style or or technique, and that's what makes you you. Mm. But you can always undo that flair and still have the the core base that will make you like competent and get across the messages you're trying to get across. So it's, it's really interesting um, to watch Jackie Brown, who's a flight attendant, walk out of the tunnel uh, coming back from uh, Mexico, where in Mexico it's uh, Cabo. And uh, then we don't see her for half an hour. But what we learn is that she is kind of running with this guy named Ordell Robbie, 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 Robbie. Yeah, he's a Roby, and he is a gunrunner. Uh, loves his AK-47s, as we heard in the uh, initial quotes. Um, and he has a man, Lewis, sitting in his living room, showing about all about guns, talking about how we sell them. And um, yeah, he's a gunrunner. He's a generally not a great guy. Uh, unfortunately for Jackie Brown, she gets nabbed by the um, Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Organization because they know they know about uh, Ordell uh, because they arrested one of his minions associates yeah and uh ordell takes care of that business with a couple of bullets uh and then figures he'll do the same to jackie brown for getting caught with some of his cash a half million dollars he's trying to get out of the country back into america so what happens is jackie starts uh cooperating coming up with her own plan um and generally trying to figure out how to get this money uh maybe for herself maybe for ordell and uh, she gets bailed out uh well ordell bears her out and she meets max cherry the bail bondsman who is super fucking handsome super fucking handsome robert forrester uh and uh, he falls for her instantly and so she tries to put a plan together will he get his money will uh anything bad happen to max will michael keaton get fucking any skinnier holy shit uh We'll see in Jackie Brown. Uh, I was terrified as we were starting this movie, fellas, because we kind of were getting a, a, not a, an early start to this. And then we looked it up. 
two, 154 minutes. Yeah. Uh, so well over two and a half. It's a long one. Um, I can, <coughs> scared yeah, me. It is. I, and uh, it scared me too. I will say that I, the beginning of the movie with the pretty much static shot of Jackie standing on the airport, uh, whatever, whatever they call those walk path or whatever that moves along that wall. Yeah, those mm-hmm. catwalk uh, things or whatever they are. And there. with the music, the song and stuff. And uh, yeah, I got to say, uh, there's there's definitely some stuff in here that that Tarantino indulged in a little bit. I will say, watching watching someone for like three or four minutes just standing still on a moving moving. Uh, I mean, it, floor it, it was during the credits, which I I know I, it's I, fair, but then, made it pass a little. And then he he continues the shot to where she runs in to the um to the booth where they're checking people in. So. Yeah, but then the 28 minutes, like you just mentioned, of no more Jackie Brown after watching her do nothing for four minutes or however long that was. There's definitely, yeah. I feel like there's some there's some editing in this movie that I never realized all of the times I've watched this before that there could have been some simple editing that could have sped up the uh, process a little here. and We wouldn't have lost any characterization. Because no. this movie is all characterization, like the whole thing yes. from beginning to end. But but do we need that much? Uh, I didn't feel like this time we did, but well, we I don't picked know what out full scenes. Were. I mean, the entry is really long, which I know is like, I know it's Tarantino, like building a feel, right? But um, but the, we established whole scenes that didn't really add anything. Um, I think it was Pam and Max scene. Um, which you could do away with completely and it wouldn't change anything. Um, and there's yeah. there's a, just other parts of this movie that could be trimmed up. I, this is way a bit long for the movie, um, especially since it doesn't have a lot of the, the usual Tarantino gimmickry. I don't think it needs that time um, to build that fucking niche kind of. Yeah, like, no, totally. Like shorter. spending, totally spending time with, um, spending time with Robert De Niro and... Uh, and who is the, the Bridget Fonda. Fonda spending a lot of time with them that we do sometimes in this movie would have been like him making big uh, long scenes. It was them fucking. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that, yeah. That's a terrible. It's not. Yeah. Them not chatting and catching up and having sex and then chatting some more and catching up um, would have been like in Pulp Fiction. If you would have done that with Lance and his wife who had the shit in her face. We had like this big, like ten minute scene, ten minute scene, getting to know Lance and her better. Those ki- nothing happens with those characters in the end. Nothing. They don't really go anywhere. So like, why are we spending all of this time? Like, I they, know them as well as I'm gonna know them from the first twenty eight minutes of the movie. I don't need to know Budget Fonda's character. Like, and I don't learn anything more about her other than that she spent some time in Japan and she roller skated. What do I give a shit? Like what? What is that in there for? I don't. I it and yeah. it, nothing ever comes of any of it anyway, and doesn't make me like her or hate her anymore. No, I, no, I'm they're sure. they're funny to watch. They're like they become the comic relief. I think as it goes on, and they, they they serve a purpose in Jackie's larger story. Just it's very convenient what happens there that she's found dead with that ten grand tucked up her up her pants or in her pocket or whatever. That really helped Jackie's story. Um, and the fewer people that are left alive to, but Jackie to tell gave the tale. her. I think that's but partly why Jackie gave her that money. It is no, it totally because yeah. she thought she was going to get caught with it. But if she got caught with it, she'd have a different story to tell. Also, the camera footage from that store would show them not running out, as Jackie said. Anyway, um, but for them to serve that purpose in the film and give us a bit of a laugh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff in the middle. Um, with them that just the, the the whole scene where they bang is just too long. They could bang because it's funny, I guess. But then that plays on a three minutes later joke that didn't exactly hit with us this time. But it's their next scene together where um, Ordell's on the phone and then they we spend a lot of time watching them on the coach and she calls him a pussy and, and he's like kind of upset about that and doesn't want her touching him. And it, it's just that kind of building between them. I, I did not really need to see for them to have their freak out moment like she pushed his buttons he wasn't in the mood he's that kind of guy he just fucking threw down and was like that's it that 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 was like the, the funnier more shocking part of it anyway and you didn't need all that set up no and the great there. news is T- tarantino could have edited all of that stuff out and he would have had the better scene which was between yeah. de niro 
and Samuel Jackson where De Niro admits that he slept with Melanie and talks and and talks to Samuel Jackson about how he's she's colluding against him. We don't need to see any of that if it's explained, right? And like we just would have accepted it because at the end she is being weird and acting that way. And Samuel Jackson knows. He says, "I know. Yeah. That's what she's like, right?" So we don't need to see like ten minute scenes. Yeah. Of normally, those characters. normally we say a lot on this show that you want to see, not tell. When, because it's a movie, right? It's a visual medium. But for the time it takes to, to to for that all to come together, it's one line of dialogue and a funny joke between Samuel and Lewis, between Ordell and Lewis. Yeah, and it's then, better. But then, and that scene has to continue to give us additional information about the goings on by them talking about things um, that's relevant to moving the story forward. Is is what it is all about, and it's so it's done quicker and more effectively just by having that one scene. And the the most interesting part is. Um, if you felt like it, you could like though just cut those scenes out. It's not like anything relevant is missed. You could just take them out of the movie, and everything would still flow, and and like you wouldn't feel like you're spending really any less time with anyone. It's it's a it's wide open to do that. Yeah, and as for editing, I mean, other parts of the movie they're just like they go on too long in certain scenes, or you could come in later in a scene without having like a big. Although I do love all of the stuff between Forrester and uh, Pam Greer, um, those scenes are quite long. And, and if, if you wanted to be really diligent in the editing room, you could have shortened those up a little bit. You could have come in late, gotten out early. Not necessarily a bad thing to spend time with those characters because they're the main characters. Yes. So that's I where mean, it's more forgivable. Yeah, I give that more... I give them more rope on that. Or Tarantino more rope on that because I'm pretty sure he... Every second of this movie, he was involved in the editing. Yeah. Do you guys now? Um, I know this movie is is said to pay homage to black exploitation movies, but I'm just not familiar at all. Like other than it was, you know, movies done in the '70s kind of era with like starring black people made for yeah. For black that's people. the only my uh, reference. And they kind of caught on. They were like hypersexualized. Yeah. It was like built a it built a stereotype, and I think built off of stereotypes. Um, mm. I've, I've seen bits and pieces like familiar, but not well-educated on them. That's just my understanding is like, uh, like the hyper fetishized fetishization, um, of like the black female and some other stuff is, is my understanding of okay. kind of the problematic aspects of it. But I, I, I really don't want to say I'm speaking from an area of expertise. There's a chance that that could all be wrong. I, I never saw any of those movies either, those films, um, not even like the more popular ones like The Old Shaft or, or anything like that, at least not from beginning to end. But but what I see is this more of the 70s style directing. He uses like, you know, he, he zooms in, which nobody does anymore, but was like a big thing in the 70s is zooming and and the uh, framing of things and, and the way he directs things. Like uh, you see a lot of that in seventies films. So that's the only thing I really pick up. Okay. And the movie does feel like, you know, have that feel or even the music and the cinematography. And it's got Pam and, Greer and Sid Haig, which are both. Yeah. yeah. Black exploitation <laughs> actors. Which came from that. But I mean, that's still enjoyable. Those things are still enjoyable without having maybe frame of reference to that. Yeah, it, obviously there would be better if you did, but but it still it just works. feels stylistic. I think like I don't I don't totally think I need the oh absolutely no you're right you it does yeah it yeah. does just feel stylistic. Interesting As I choices. in doing my research for this episode, I found out um, both Pam Greer. I kind of would know this, but both her and Robert Forster were like in huge downturns in their career. So much like was done for Travolta. Um, both of them were just rocketed. I mean, Forster was nominated for an Oscar for this, and rightly yeah. so. He's fucking so solid in this. Um, his aloofness, but he, you can still see the tension in his eyes when he's talking with Ordell, like at, closer to the end when he knows his life is in danger, but he still is playing it so cool. He just pulls it off in a way that uh, is super satisfying. He's one of my favorite characters in in, in this movie for sure. Um but um, anyway, uh, apparently Jack or Pam Greer had read for a part in Pulp Fiction, um, but did not get it. And then because that was so successful, I think Pam Greer was kind of like, well, there's no way I ever hear from that guy again. But Tarantino reportedly is a h insanely huge fan 
so much so that he um, he had a bunch of posters of her up in his office, like for real, because he's like such a huge fan. And she was like, did you put those up because I was coming? He's like, I thought about taking them down just to like not play like I was faking or being a fanboy. He's like, I'm an insane fan of yours. And she was like, what the fuck? And yeah, this kind of kicked her back up into into mainstream level. And she yeah. she kills it in this movie, by the way. She's great. Yeah, she's awesome. yeah, and the IMDb trivia with Robert Forrester, apparently Tarantino approached him in a, a restaurant and handed him the script, and he just said, you're going to do this, and uh, there's no question about it. And he was like, absolutely, I'm going to do this. Take he a leading role this, in this guy's movie. Yeah, I don't even think <laughs> no he read problem. the script. He just said yes and then took the script home. But, uh, but yeah, and his career wasn't a huge... De- he was a huge schlong. Well, that's the and, role uh, that the near. Sorry, and and well, now we we've we talk about all the places we've seen him since, uh, like Breaking Bad, the TV show, and the movie he was in, and mm-hmm. had small roles like continuing after Pulp Fiction. Uh, his his career was was huge, became huge again. Yeah, Tarantino's True very story. much a kingmaker. Or a well, he does things like I. He t- he just like finds interesting characters that you wouldn't consider for a role and like you know most people in Hollywood well some people in Hollywood are at least a little competent it's not their it's not their ability that holds them back it's that they're not perfect whatever the fuck that whoever yeah the, the three of us. In the world want to see right they're like no this person is perfect for this like they should be like back in the limelight because they can do this shit. And the, the three of us are gigantic movie buffs. Obviously we do a movie podcast and I don't think any of us heard of Christopher Waltz before he was in a Tarantino movie. No, no. Right. Yeah, exactly. No. Yeah. No, he, that he does do and that. He's amazing. He's so good, but he just, but he also, those actors he chooses, like all the ones we're talking about were good actors that just weren't getting any parts are, and then he gives them like a great fucking part. Yeah, he opens and then it everybody up. sees what he sees, which is yeah, but, these guys are amazing. But just look though, like as a as a director too, he must be able to get something out of people because Travolta's had lots of opportunities since. I mean, he doesn't really pull it together, like when he plays uh, Gotti and stuff like that. Like he's <laughs> no, he, no, no. I mean, he just You're doesn't. Right. He doesn't seem <laughs> to do it. So, like as you say. I don't think that he lacks skill. I think I think he's a talented actor. I think it's um, the direction. Probably some people need direction a little bit more than others. And I oh, think yeah. Tar- Tarantino is probably better able to give that direction than a lot of others. And also he's he got a unique be. vision. So he gives these characters like this, this really unique, interesting place uh, which they can play in. And I think that really brings the vibe out. Like, but Pam Greer obviously isn't doing something super alien to her in this movie. But I think Travolta playing a fucking hitman or Waltz playing that traveling dentist guy. Like, these are probably little bits of uh, outside of their their comfort. And it fucking yeah. works, man. Yeah. And yeah. not only does he direct them, he writes the roles for them as well and gives them the dialogue. But he also was an actor for many, many years before he started writing and directing. And so as someone who is an actor like just like Clint Eastwood or a lot of other actors who became directors they're they're really good at directing actors because I they know, know what that about Tarantino oh yeah Tarantino originally wanted to be an actor he never wanted to really be a writer I didn't know that yeah he he he, he didn't act in very many things but he did act there was a famous movie he was in where he's at the party and he's talking about how home of home how much homosexual content is in Top Gun to somebody at a party, and that was that was before anybody knew who he was. I can't, I just can't remember what that movie's name is right now. But he, Eric Stoltz is in it, whatever that movie is. But yeah, <laughs> Tarantino like definitely was an actor before and took acting classes, and well, it definitely helps. So it's a, it's a great skill to have. Like and like a lot oh, yeah. of directors, actors talk about. Um, you know, directors who are actors and became directors and how good they are at communicating what they want them to do. It and, makes sense. Uh, it makes yeah. total sense. Because you know what you'd want when you were on the set and struggling. It's just yeah. someone to come over and just fucking tell you how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's explain it to you. Um, so we talked a bit about this before, but it's it's super interesting that we, we introduced Jackie kind of she doesn't even speak a word and then we're instantly in with Ordell and we spend about 25 30 minutes with him kind of setting up the menace of the movie um and 
in addition to Samuel Jackson absolutely crushing his role as Ordell, um, he just does really, really well in this. Um, the movie does a really good job of like letting you know who this guy is and how he deals with people. So like that he, you know, he's so uh, smooth when he goes to talk to Max Cherry and then he basically leaves there and goes to murder um, uh, Chris Tucker, whatever his character's name is. Uh, Bo- um, Beaumont. 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 And like you get enough of Beaumont to know that he knows stuff about Ordell's um, situation and he could have said some stuff to the cops and it's enough to move that part of the story on and then you get to see that Ordell does not mess around and kills him like really savagely and then like shows Lewis and is pretty cash about that. Um, yeah, generally I thought the movie did a really good job of setting up Samuel to a point where I I'd, like I never doubted for a second that he was a, a cold ass <laughs> motherfucker. Um, and his like the the other people in his life, like he's so smooth, he can have a bunch of like lady friends who like they they make um when he's at Simone's place when Lewis is there, you see some like stolen goods stacked in the corner, so you know he's using her place to like store some shit, and she's generally on the DL to to get some nasty stuff done, and he's got Jackie, and he's got the Sharonda, whatever her name is, the crackhead, um or method, I can, I don't know, maybe maybe one or the other, um. Yeah, there's just it's it's good. So I don't mind the time we spend with Ordell being away from Jackie at the start. Eventually, it's weird. It's not like something most movies would do. Um, but Jackie stuff gets right going immediately once we get back with her. So it's not like I feel like there's any downtime or wasted time in getting in getting it all going. And I know immediately kind of what Jackie's against as she starts her her journey to. Um, it's a perfect it world out. build because you already get a hint of the stakes when she gets busted with that money and the coke. Like you already are ahead of the game that much. So when that happens, it's, it's more exciting. I find than if we didn't see Ordell in that and have that world kind of established for us because, um, because we've seen how many movies and how many stories with somebody gets busted with money and or drugs. Right. But now we understand not only is she in trouble with, with somebody she's on the hook with for this shit but we know who and we understand what the fucking uh what the severity of the nature of that relationship so yeah it's um it's it's i actually like it a lot i don't find like anything's bad for it and we spend enough time with ordell through the movie that it's not that he's like he doesn't feel secondary he feels additional right like as far as like character goes or main character goes so i don't mind seeing him a bunch because I mean, we see him a lot throughout, and he's he's an important and fucking awesome part of the story. I, I would agree with you guys for the most part. I would say that I think that it's a little too long. I mean, you could have probably cut five minutes out of that first section without without you wouldn't even have noticed. It's just it's just Tarantino does this thing where in this movie I noticed it a lot, but he does it in a lot of movies where he. He has the people enter the scene. They come in. So, like a good example would be the uh, the Bale's Bondsman scene, where like he comes to see Robert Forrester, walks in. You know, he stands in the thing. Oh, he could have some coffee. Yeah, come on in, sit down. You know, now chat, a talk. He explains the whole thing. Like the whole scene is the whole scene. It's as long as it is. If someone visited a Bale's Bondsman to bail someone out. Yeah. So the scenes are very long and yeah. uh, they're very dense and there's a lot of dialogue and there's a lot of um, stuff in there that we don't necessarily need to see. Now, the whole movie is kind of like that. So that is kind of the tone he sets and the story that he is telling. But that first 28 minutes, I, I was shocked that that it was that long um, this yeah. time. So you, it, it, there's trimming. There's a lot of casual... Done there's a lot of casual dialogue included like back and forth, like quips about one thing or another. And that doesn't necessarily, I guess, get us to where we are going, but I don't know, like even at the length of this movie. And even though I believe there's like parts, some parts of the movie you could just cut all the way out uh, or another stuff, maybe cut just slightly down. Like it's, I would not call this movie too long. I don't, I don't feel like I've spent too much time. I don't really get bored in this movie. I become aware of timing maybe, but I'm never bored because I just like all the characters so much. I just want to soak this world up. Yeah, um, yeah and that's fair. I mean, 
I agree. I do think it's too long, but I don't think it's excessively too long. I think there's probably 10 or 15 minutes in this movie that could have completely gone. And once again, you would have probably gotten a, a lot more people to like this. I know that Pulp Fiction is a very long movie, but Pulp Fiction moves so quickly. And uh, the pace of Pulp Fiction is very different to, than this movie. The pace this movie is, is more different. methodical and slow and uh and when i say slow not in a negative way it's mm -hmm. just the way that the movie is the story is a little bit more of a slow pace yeah i agree um it's still it's still not you know like a crazy I, I i'm not i'm not looking at my watch or wanting to turn it off no no it's interesting no. it's just i mean with a movie it's like long. this where it's where it's <laughs> a lot of dialogue right yeah, I mean, this isn't an action fucking thriller here. This is a this is a paced movie. So it's just, I mean, it it can go quicker, but the material is still interesting. But I mean, if we're if we're talking about optimizing, um, I agree a hundred percent. I think that you could fifteen minutes is probably perfect because the material is great, and you don't want to get rid yeah. of everything because then it's just not no. going to be a Tarantino flick. Less is more, though, and like there is a lot of good dialogue in this movie, but there's probably a 15 minutes of not that interesting dialogue in this movie in the same scenes that there's great dialogue. A perfect scene is the bar scene where Samuel does, uh, Robert De Niro does tell Samuel about Melanie, not only that he slept with her, but that she's conniving and she's, she's, she's looking to go against him. That yeah. scene was a perfect length. You come to that scene in the middle. You don't have them walk in, sit down, order a drink, chat with the bartender, and then he brings it up. They get right fucking to it. And yeah. there's very few scenes in this movie that do that. Yeah. There's a lot of scenes that don't and could if he just edited them a little bit. And once again, that's not the kind of movie he was trying to make. But I definitely would have appreciated if he would have done that. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And um, I know a lot of other people who didn't like this movie when it came out would have appreciated it as well. Yeah. I mean, this is the kind of movie where if you're not into the idea or the story, you would find it almost unbearable. There would be just flashy people saying a lot of things really quickly and you'd be like, I don't like it. I saw this in the theater but, when it came out and I wasn't overly captivated. To tell you the honest truth, I know that I I'm really supposed to like say that I, I instantly saw, yeah. took to it because it's Tarantino, but it took me a minute, man. I needed to yeah, rewatch it a few years later. This is an acquired taste for sure of his. Uh, yeah, you have to. It's multiple views to get into it for sure. You hmm. just appreciate and understand, I think, a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, you don't expect. If you don't expect the Tarantino, quote unquote, then you're going to have a real good time with this movie. Yeah. Just tell someone this is a crime, a, a, like a crime drama, a heist with some heisty elements. And then if it's a, you tell them there's a female lead and that's like awesome. Cause what a female lead she is. What, like she takes matters into her own hand. She handles shit decisively. She's sick of her life. She changes it. I love, I love her character in this. Yeah, she's a total badass. She don't, she don't back down. Yeah. I don't know why. Like my favorite movie is when she uh, slides the money under the thing. Uh, to Melanie and she's like I put a cherry on top booyah yeah I'm like Fuck yeah I want to <laughs> hang like with that, that person <laughs> yeah that, that's also her plan and stuff is really smart and, and the fact that she does she knows Melanie and the type of person Melanie is mm -hmm. and she knows that if she offers her 10 10k as a little kicker she'll, she's gonna take it and it's gonna start some shit yep right so it's, that's gonna it's gonna be a shit to start anything <laughs> So it's smart. Her, her plan is is quite smart, uh, I, and it, it works out. And that's what if that if that didn't make any as much sense and it didn't yeah. seem as plausible, the movie would have fallen apart very quickly at the end. I was gonna say uh, I looked hard to poke holes in the um, in the plan, um, and like I couldn't see anything that would have been like that's bullshit or that was just blind luck. I mean always a little bit of luck is would be required to pull something like this off. But the way they, the planet, the way they handle the cops and what the cops think they know and what Jackie is giving to them to look like she's cooperating and what she's not. It, there's like a lot of dialogue and time spent showing that back and forth. And they still don't exactly give you the entire picture. I think until 
after when they kind of show the different perspectives on what happened. So it's not like they uh, explain a log what the plan is and then we watch it execute. You see it kind of building and then when it actually starts happening and you, you're kind of figuring out what's going on, um, I, I like it. I, I didn't really have any, any huge issues with it. I looked really hard this time around. My holes with it are, as you mentioned, um, security cameras. But let's assume that this yeah. is a time or a place where they don't necessarily have them. Then I still find it weird that she was with Ray to get wired up and to go over the plan and then left on her own without anybody following her when she's carrying what they expect to be $50,000. Yeah. Right? So um, that to me is a bit weird because then she goes, she tries on a suit. Um, That all feels to me to be also like really weird. Like if I'm a cop and obviously he does call her on it. He's like, you tried on a suit, like what the fuck? And um but that means know. they lost sight of her, right? Like, well, but then and, if, and then she goes to find them, and she's like, "You weren't where you said you were gonna be." So where yeah. the fuck is he too? Like, what? Like they weren't following her, but they're also not where they're supposed to be. Like everything falls apart here to be perfect. Um, it's I don't yeah. know the the, the plan to me was a touch off. Um, but I mean, it's the story is great and. It's, again, one of those things where I feel like I kind of just have to um, allow for some of the movie magic, allow for some of the... You can't just fucking drill holes in everything all the time because there's always going to be one. It's fun, though. I think I had less of a problem with it this time watching it again, and the reason why I think I did is because I got the sense without them saying anything that they weren't going to be following her, that they were going to set up in the in the um, food court of the mall yeah. and wait for the plan to go down. And the only reason she did what she did was in case anyone is following her that she doesn't know about. Like they did put someone on her that, that was like undercover that she couldn't see. So that's why she rushes out and looks like she's in a panic and pays the money and forgets her change and goes back just in case they did have a guy on her to watch her, but they never ended up doing that. They trusted her to show up at the food court and the deal to go down. Plausible. Plausible. That's what I I got this time anyway, but that's just how I I felt about it. And then when when, um, Michael Keaton's character goes after her about buying the suit like Brent said he does call her on it and he gets mad and then she does have that moment where she almost breaks in front of him and then he goes outside and you can see her take that deep breath and like she she's kind of mad at herself because she does start to cry Mm. and she she wanted to be cool and she wasn't cool Uh, Mm. so that kind of all worked for me this time that was just but I, I understand. I've I've felt that way before when I've watched it. So I, I get what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Small, small, small. It is. It is. And uh, and yeah. uh, nothing that's a huge like plot hole or like no. so egregious. You're like, what the hell are we watching? Like I broke into a safe that has only one person knows the combination because I'm a mind reader. <laughs> dun dun. No, I do it, also think that what they could have done in the ending for editing and also just for the audience is to to show less of Jackie and stay with Forrester and uh, Samuel so that um, you don't really see what's going on on that end as much. But it wasn't a big deal. Oh, you not the... Um just at the end where Jackie's back at the bail bonds place. Oh yeah, it shows her in the empty office a lot and it sets it like adds the drama when she's calling Nicolette but yeah, there's no answer and maybe then you maybe see her just keeping a little set. bit of that, but it, it would have been almost more tension to to stay with Samuel and Forrester and not kind of know what to expect when they're going to go in there. And hmm. then, you know, kind of being more from their perspective instead of the audience getting you know, to see both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just thought you could have built more attention that way. But once again, that's just a choice. It's not a mistake. It's just he decided to do something different. I did like the bit of the throwback to in the first scene when we see Ordell and Jackie together. He keeps turning out the lights and he's going to strangle her. And she puts a gun up to his dick. And then at the end, 
she's got the lights out and turns the tables on him, sicking yeah. her cop friend on there. He's got um, a gun. Yeah, and he did. Yeah. Did he have yeah. it in his hand? He yeah. must have. It looked he like did, it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he did too. So that that worked out well for everyone. I mean, um, Ray's gonna have some inquiries for not even not even announcing himself or anything. It's it's the states. So Ordell could have a gun in his hand, pointing at the floor, and you have to be like, drop the gun. And then do they identify themselves? They do nothing. No, I, I, they shot him twice. He shot. They him just twice. open the door, and then she's like, "Ray, he's got a gun," and he yeah. puts two in his chest. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah, that is what happened. And then I don't know if it's like if it was a style choice or what we're meant to believe, but there's a scene where they're like talking over Samuel's dead body, and it's kind of got the upwards view, like you're seeing what Samuel does. And I was like, is yeah, he like a- still alive and just dying? And they're like, oh, whatever, this motherfucker's dead. That was the only. Yeah. That was the only editing and directing that I felt stood out as bad. And uh, in a two and a hour and thirty four minute movie, that's. I wondered if that yeah, was like part oh, of the throwback bad. that I'm supposed to respect, but. Yeah, it, w- it seemed out of place for sure because I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, are we seeing, like, he's seeing and hearing this as he's dying? That's that's kind of heinous. It's a weird angle to have. Maybe it's the last breaths. Yeah. Also, I, I also like Jackie's honesty with everybody. I find it really funny how honest she is with the cops the second time she meets with them after she's decided. And she's just like, yeah, it's Ardell's money. He gave it to me. And they're like, how do you know? Because he told me Ardell said this and Ardell. And this, and then when she sees Ardell, she's like, "Yeah, I told the cops that um, I'm gonna I bring money in for you." <laughs> yeah, and I love. And then they're like, "What?" And then everyone's always like, "What?" And <laughs> but she's just is like straight up, like, "If I'm gonna go back and get it, I have to pretend I'm working with them or whatever." Well, I really like, like that. She's like, "They already know." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's I like good. that dialogue. Uh, yeah. I feel like that's a great way to write dialogue too, because um, it's. Um, yeah, I'm like totally. If I'm gonna steal anything from this movie, I'll steal that. Or how you write dialogue? Fuck yeah, I'll steal that. <laughs> that's well, mine if, now, if, Tarantino. If you can capture now. Tarantino dialogue, uh, I think a lot of people have tried. I mean, I won't yeah. do that, but I I just like that idea of just someone just being super straightforward and honest as a character. Uh, even if they're maybe a secondary character, but they just don't lie. They just tell the truth because they just don't give a fuck. I think that's a really interesting character and it. it's a great way of uh, expelling information as well with it feeling natural. That's kind of how I felt with Jackie most of the movie. Even mm-hmm. with Robert Forrester's character, um, when they talk and stuff, both of them are like super honest with each other. Well, they're smart too. Like he's like, do you think Nicolette likes you? And she's like, yeah. She's like, so it's like she's open about her plan and and how she like will manipulate yeah. people because like you know she's a very attractive older lady and of course he's gonna like her and she'd been to dinner with him to like play that up and then Robert Forster's like, do you think there's a sexual tension? He's like, fuck yeah, that's how I set it up. That's how I want it. I think there's a sexual tension between her and Samuel a little bit too. Like Samuel knows she's a hot piece of ass. He's mentions it a couple of times. Yeah, he's got a fine little surfer girl in his his. And uh, yeah, he likes you know and so. Like I said, I think the reason why she's successful, I didn't say this on the podcast, but I said it when we were watching the movie. The reason why she pulls this off is because there's so many of the men in the movie are are interested in her and like find her fascinating and, and beautiful and, and they like her. Well, it's and, a, it's uh, a, she gets away with a lot with, she, she gets, she gets a lot of, uh, leeway with uh michael she's likable yeah and a lot of leeway with ordell and a lot of leeway with forrester like he's gonna give her the gun his gun to loan it to her (laughs) so she has protection like one of the keys Uh, and she sold it (laughs) one of the keys to this movie is ordell like because some bad guys in movies you're wondering like why do people work for this person like who kills their friends at the whim and and do all these things but the way they set up Samuel and the way he plays the character, it's a really interesting um, mix because he's like savage. He's like a stone cold killer. He does evil things and takes advantage of people and like sells guns. He's generally like an all around guy you'd normally hate, but you like him. You like him kind of a lot. I think you you, you know he's going to get his comeuppance because that's just what's going to happen. But uh, you kind of find yourself liking him and that's hard to do, I think, uh, in a character like uh, like in No Country... Um, uh, sugar, like he's like a cold-blooded killer, but you are fucking terrified of that man. It's crazy. Like 
no yeah. likability in him whatsoever, but they just added that likability to Ordell and it works. So I don't question like how he was hooked up with Jackie. Like they had some kind of relationship and he smooth talked her into doing this. Uh, same with Simone, same with the other ladies in his life. So you just, you don't, you're not left scratching your head on why would someone get mixed up with this savage? It's like, because charming as a motherfucker. Well, yeah, she and talks about how she's already a felon. So, or, a, or a, not, maybe not a felon, but she's got a record and, yeah. um, she she talks about the best job she could get was Cabo Air, right? She's 44. She already has a record. She can't get much employment. So I imagine it wasn't too hard of a sales pitch from him either. She probably needs some money and, and doesn't have a lot of opportunity, right, to get yep. to get more. Like who, yeah, like, that well, cop can't lays that out. Fuck. That other cop, the other cop lays that out really well too when, when they're trying to uh, muscle her into giving information. He lays out her whole life and says like you know like do you really want to go to jail like and try and get out and then try and rebuild off of this shit yeah so so like the that's also really well established like why she's going to take these chances and risks even though sometimes she says it in the dialogue like she's not going back to jail and you know and she's not yeah but um, the deal she makes is good though it's great yeah the hundred thousand no, is good the hundred thousand if she goes to jail for a year and then if she yeah, goes to jail for another year, it's another hundred thousand. Yeah. Like to me, that's a relatively good deal. There's she says she makes like thirty six thousand or less, I think it may be. Eighteen thousand. Eighteen thousand. So yeah. can you imagine a hundred thousand? Like if you're if your job then is just to go to prison for a year and you're gonna make five times your salary. A lot of people <laughs> You've been, probably so you know do what that. to expect. Yeah, yeah. but uh, that also adds to the credibility of her plan. Like you, you never wonder why Ordell goes along with it. He's like so greedy for his money. It's a, yeah. that's why it's just a really good plan. Like she throws enough, she demands enough that it makes it all seem legit and on the DL. And um, yeah, she's yeah, it's it's good. I like it. You can buy. I her like being it hard enough to deal with the jail too, like Beaumont. You can see Beaumont maybe doesn't have it in him. But yeah. uh, Pam, I, I get the impression Pam could just put her head down and ride out the time. Yeah, probably the true. Only, the, maybe the only, 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 like not flaw, but thing they didn't consider with the $500,000 is she never had to take that inside the mall at all. Robert Forrester could have like been waiting outside in his car in the parking lot watching her car and then when he watched to make sure no one was following if anyone was following her and he didn't see anything he could have walked up to her car opened the door taken the money and got in his car and drove away there was oh no need God. for her to take $500,000 into the mall I didn't even occur like, to me all. that is a way no. better plan than leaving it in a fucking dressing room in a bag like I know, what if that I woman know. was I, like uh, can I you shouldn't prove have this is yours it. I'm sorry I'm well sorry. I shouldn't the other thing too just, just bug me a little is Jackie in the dressing room is sitting on the bench and she's just sitting there waiting for Melanie to show up and I was like why haven't you unpacked the money and everything yeah. in your bag because there's this rush scene after she hands the bag she's like oh now I'll get the money out and do the switchy switch it's like fuck it's too late hurry so yeah she could have been a little quicker damn it Jackie. yeah she could have done it pre damn Jackie you fuck but once up. again I don't think those details ruin the movie like that's fine I, and it's more exciting to have or more interesting to have him go in and get it and then they play the music dun, 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 dun. the music's great in this too as well yeah that's it's typical not, uh, the Delphonics come on that I Delphonics mean, all of the music. song is so good it's <laughs> just great music ding, 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 ding. I have that in my playlist yeah yeah I mean Tantino always nails that yeah, uh, the music yeah he's got he crushes great it. fucking yeah, taste of music he man. crush it um, do you guys remember the movie Out of Sight with? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, yes, I do. Hands, remember handsome that movie. face. Um, so George, George Clooney, George Clooney, yeah, and, and Jennifer Lopez. Yes, Jennifer Lopez and Jennifer Lopez's uh, boyfriend in that is Ray Nicolette of the ATF, and it's played by Michael Keaton. Really? Same, same character. Yeah. Oh, because it's based on that book. It's, it's based on. It's based on. Uh, What's his name? It's book. either based on the same book or a different book that just had a repeating character. It, that's what I, I mean. It's the same I, author. Same I read author, that yeah. Michael Keaton um, tried to talk Tarantino out of giving him this role. He was like, don't give me this role. I'm not good for it. And then Tarantino <laughs> said later, he's like, 
That's like Michael Keaton's thing is to get a role and then tell you how he's not right for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I thought it was good. He's good in this. He's solid yeah. as Nicolette. I never, yeah, I never Michael doubt it. Michael Keaton is good. All he can the time. chew gum, walk around, act like this cocky fuck. He's like hilarious that way. Yeah, he's he is great in this. Um, wow. We started out on the low note. We've been gushing a bit. Anything else anyone wants to chat about with relation to Jacket Brown? Um, things that stand out. No. <laughs> I don't think so. Negative. No. It's. I mean, it's a. It's a. It's a nice movie, man. The story's good. The characters are engaging. As we talked about, the music's fucking great. The directing obviously is fantastic. I, what are you going to say? If uh, if you're waiting for me to say it, I'll just say it. I just, the, this movie totally, should I say it? I'll just ho- holds up for me. Boom. J- Jackie Brown's fucking a great flick. One of Tarantino's best for sure. If not, maybe, well, it's hard to beat Pulp Fiction. But um, this is a great flick, man. This is a million, 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 million fucking times better than the his new movie, uh... Which, once upon a time whatever in Hollywood. the fucking Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, this is a million times better than that movie. Yeah. Um, he should. If I, I'm just like I, I'm still confused and baffled why people say that that's a good movie. I think it's just sycophants who kiss his ass and oh, like oh, it's such an homage to Hollywood, man. You made such an homage to Hollywood. You made a long, boring movie that had the only interesting thing happens at the end and it's three hours long. I'm convinced that's why people like it because they forgot everything else because the payoff at the end is like... The the payoff is fantastic. It's just not worth it. No, it's not. And it's It's, not worth it at all. And I think that's from someone who didn't know the material. I didn't know the story like behind it. So I just didn't get it. me too, right? I know that's the other thing he never explains that and and this happened like so long ago in the 60s that a lot of people don't I I mean I read Helter Skelter and I was interested in that time period but most people are not so you needed to put that in that movie you needed to have a ticking clock you needed to explain what was going on the audience needed to know that this was going somewhere and leading up to something yeah just the Jackie Brown does that yeah (laughs) like why did he not do that Immediately, like, we start getting I'm, stakes. and Yeah, like, and like we learn new things as the movie goes along. We learn nothing new in his new movie. We know that that Leonardo DiCaprio feels like he's shitty and getting old and he's not getting the roles he used to. And we know that at the beginning of the movie. And we know it at the end of the movie. That movie goes nowhere. I mean, that movie just seems kind of like a character study. With, uh, with yeah. some funny characters stuff that go in. nowhere. Yeah, it's yeah, just characters stuff that, that go happens. nowhere. Whereas Jackie <laughs> Brown's whole thing in this movie is to try and like either she has she she knows she has two options. She's either gonna pull this plan off and it's not and it's not gonna work, and she's gonna end up giving Ordella's money and maybe getting that hundred thousand dollar bonus for going to jail, or she's gonna get the money and pull it off. Either way, like you know where the movie is going. And there's stakes involved with her character that are yeah. very obvious. It's going to jail. It's getting killed. And yeah. uh, it's a good movie. Yeah, this movie totally holds up. It. I still. I don't know if it's still his second. Yeah, I. Uh, Pulp Fiction's obviously my favorite. Maybe this is still my second favorite. Well, that's what I'm thinking about because I love Django. I love um, Inglorious Bastards. Is not as good as Django. No, Django. No. Inglorious Bastards is actually other than the four amazing scenes in that movie and there's four amazing scenes in that movie that movie as a whole is not that great i i mean yeah i like it i'm gonna say it's not the best the kill bill movies are um they're good but i've kind of never been overly pulled towards them yeah yeah but this is just a great fucking flick yeah yeah like who cares that will stand the test of time yeah, it shouldn't stand out for the director or any... Like, it's just a good movie. Yeah. A this really and Pulp movie. Fiction will will be his legacy. These two movies will will be be good, like, 50 years from now, even. Like well, both and Reservoir movies. Dogs. I mean, that's a that's a study yeah. in itself I mean, just Reservoir because of Dogs, what you can yeah. do with so little, right? Mm. That's true. 
No, Reservoir Dogs is probably would be probably my third favorite. I think those are his top three. It's so interesting because they're his first three as well. Well, and engaging dialogue, actually, I gotta say. Um, yeah, Reservoir Dogs is a is a big time dialogue driven because it's oh, yeah. not a lot of action and you take place in a relatively few um, locations. So, yep, that movie is a is a fucking masterclass actually in uh, in how you can keep things interesting just through characterization and dialogue. Yeah, if he's gonna do a play on Broadway of one of his scripts, that one's ripe for it. I'm sure he knows that, of course. That one's and then perfect. the other one he talks about doing is the hateful eight the hateful eight that hateful would work well another too. good pick that would work great but uh yeah and the hateful eight's a, a good movie too That's it's a good just movie. uh it's just once again it's it's reservoir dogs <laughs> it's him it's his western reservoir dogs where everyone dies at the end yeah which uh, is is there's nothing wrong with that yeah no. i love when johnny what about you Holds johnny's up. gonna say it sucks no, no i love this movie I always have um, I just, I like what it is. I like what it isn't. It, it's fun. I love watching. I always kind of forget when I'm getting into this, that De Niro's in this because he's not De Niro. He's this like sunken, hunched over ex-con who's just got a bad streak. Yeah. Um, he's, he's perfect. He's per- yeah. he like be beautiful, man. Yeah. He used to be, <laughs> used to be beautiful. Uh, the ending is so bittersweet. Um, because Robert Forrester definitely should have went with her. Should have sold the bill, the the business to uh, Zeus, and um, and done it. That's what I think. But what it, it's just it's yeah. I can see why because like men in general are like terrified, and she's a very powerful and forward woman who I'm sure would intimidate anyone. And he's like, ah, you'll be better off without me. And she's uh, like, uh, okay. I think he is 100% it's he decides not to go with Jackie even though she asked him twice out of fear but I also do believe once again just because people are don't people hate themselves that he doesn't think she really wants him to come yeah but I think we see the kiss and her in the car just at the beginning when she's driving away and I think she did want him to come that's interesting I I think it would have I think she would have loved his company and like I said before Worst case scenario that nothing ever happened sexually between them, but she is fun. She's exciting. He would get to be around this person, and he'd go traveling. She was going to go to Spain. He, they, they maybe it wouldn't have lasted that long. Maybe they would have you know only been together a month or two, and then he would have decided to come back. But like it would have been an adventure he could have gone on, and it's so sad that he didn't accept it. I always I watched that very closely too this time and I honestly I felt even at the end when she was sitting there and and was getting up to say goodbye and she was like you could come along that she wasn't serious and um, uh, that she just wasn't interested like she she didn't she likes him I thought but I didn't think it was romantic Uh, and I thought you know he helped her get the money and he became you know a good friend for that time but I, I I just saw it switch this time and maybe it was the acting that did it that after they kiss then I sensed a switch in her that maybe like that moment she like sealed the chemistry and she was like, whoa. Um, and I like that she let him like she kisses him uh, first and then he's just they're standing there and they have a few words and then he kisses her and she lets him um, kind of s- confirm that that she would kind of dig spending some time with him. And so that made it that made it more powerful for me and even sadder that he was too chicken shit to do it. It was so but sad. But I totally I mean, identify with it. So sad. I identify with it too. It's so sad, but like it's so true. There's a truth to it that mm-hmm. he doesn't go and and you, it would maybe feel it would it would feel false if he he jumped on it and said yes, he he Yeah. He doesn't feel like you know, he can do it. Yeah, I wondered what the movie would be like if he was like, you know, she's driving down the road and then maybe it goes back to him and he's like, see you, Winston. I got a plan. Yeah, and we talked Something about like the money. That. Like, if but, he's retiring and uh, yeah. he, he would sell that business, he would sell it to someone, if not Winston, if Winston yep. didn't want it. And she gave him 50K because yep. he got 10%. So he had traveling money. He could have gone off for a couple of months and like had a little adventure. God damn it, I wish he did. I know. Yeah. But that's Doesn't why the make, movie's so good is because I, know. I wish he did. <laughs> that's what makes this movie more memorable is that it, it yeah. just has that ending and, and I love how it fades and it's just all blurry for him. Like it's fading from your mind and you're When he's so professional, the the very small touch at the end is that 
he always put business first and that person calls and he's on the phone and he says can i can you call me back in a half an hour and then he hangs up the but phone but he doesn't it's too late by then well because i know he, but he I, I starts the business conversation on it with jackie right in front of him after the kiss yeah. Yes, he picks it up I know. Below, and then he's like, what's the crime? And then she walks out. Then he ends the call. Like, yeah. he's going to kick himself forever about that. Yeah, he will. What we just he witnessed totally was wow. a guy uh, develop his number one regret. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, we yeah. did. After That's maybe doing true. one of the most exciting things he's ever done. Yeah. And mu- he must have found that immensely fun. I mean, he it didn't. would have been exciting, but doesn't he give you the impression by like the zero fucks he gives when he has guns pointed at him and just his absolute personality of it all? Yeah. That like, I I get the impression that he's been in some shit. He was talking about breaking into that guy's house the night before. Yeah, he was stun stuff. gunning him. And yeah. she's like, you did that after you left me? He's like, that's my job. Anyway, and he moves on. I was like, fucking, that's just slicker than snot. He's a badass. Yeah. He is. It really adds to his his uh, his mystery. Like you buy him, you buy him instantly. Yeah, he talks a good and game. I like how he talks to Ordell. He doesn't back down. He's <clears> like, <throat> now you want me to speculate on what you do for a living? I'd say it was drugs, but the money's moving the wrong way. Anyway, yeah. let's move on. I'm like, fucking, this guy gets it. Ordell know he get knows he gets it. He's so smart. I mean, he's so fucking street smart. And and uh, the fact that I I will never forget that music, that stupid fucking music, that da 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 da. I'll never forget that. That's the power of Tarantino. He does it in every movie. He does it with in uh, in Reservoir Dogs with Stuck in the Middle. He does it in uh, Pulp Fiction all over the fucking place. And he does it in this movie too. He gets that music hooked into me. And I, that music will never go away. Uh, it's so strange, but he does. That's the power that the man has. Yeah, well, with music. Attaching that music too to the characters is so fucking brilliant because they become their light motif. And then, like when they're all driving to the thing, or when you see them all separately in that that one scene, and it's like this guy, and then his music, and then this guy, and his and her music, and then blah blah blah. Right? I fucking really love that because that adds to the excitement to that scene and it also pulls you in exactly the right direction as soon as you're into it because you're like bam i'm with this and boom i'm with this awesome yeah but i hadn't seen this movie in years and when i cued that music out loud when we were watching it i because i I, brent laughed when i did it (laughs) uh when he comes out with the bag it's like yeah. And then the music gets all exciting. I fucking knew it was coming. That's great. And uh, it's crazy that 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 gets into us in movies. Yeah, it does. It's fun. It's just so fun. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, I think we've thumbed up the shit out of this movie. Um, what we're going to do is say that uh, this was fun. And next week will be another kind of fun one that I'm looking forward to. And I totally think it's going to hold up. It is the master and the commander. I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. Really? Too long? I've always had a problem with this movie. I And I, you guys have always loved it. And I have no idea what the problem was. Like with many movies I watched years ago, I couldn't, I, I couldn't put my finger on it. Yeah. But there was something that always bothered me about master and commander. I, and so we're going to see. Maybe I was completely wrong, though. That's happened in the past as well. Well, there's a series, there's a series of novels that this, I think, put three different novels together um, that the core storylines behind three. So that's where I think the problem would come up if it does, is it it, this movie might get muddled, very muddled. But I I do what I do remember loving about it is the realism uh, learning, the learning that comes with this when they had like kids go on these ships for months and months at a time. They're like powder monkeys or whatever. And some of them like becoming little young officers. It's totally fascinating and fucked up part of the part of the world. Uh, And Russell Crowe, you just that guy, man, that guy's got that big dick. Russell. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He likes fighting and drinking. Anyway, uh, so look, this is a good one. Go check it out, Jackie Brand. If you got to hear and you listened to all this and you haven't watched it, shame. Go it's watch it. It's worth it, though. It's totally. like It will not ruin. This is one of those things where if you know the ending, it does not ruin the experience of this movie at all. Nine. Oh, this movie's great. Yep. 
Glad you think so, fellas. It aligns with what you said before. Cheerio. <laughs> so, Cheerio to you too, sir. So thanks again, everybody. This was a lot of fun. We look forward to you tuning in next Sunday as we drop Master and Commander. So have a good one. And as always, folks, enjoy your shit. Thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Our handle is holdup underscore podcast. You can fire us a comment or two, add a movie to our wish list, and we always post a hint about our next episode in the middle of the week. Feel free to drop us an email directly if you've got some feedback for us. Our email is podcast.holdup at gmail.com. Our podcast can be found where most podcasts are these days. Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and Player FM.